Hello, and welcome to the Empowerography Podcast. This is a platform created for women's voices to be heard and a place to share their stories, journeys, and successes with the world for the purpose of helping other women who might be on similar journeys. We are empowering women one episode at a time. I'm your host, Brad Walsh, so kick back, grab one of your favorite beverages, and enjoy the stories. The world needs to hear your message and your story, so don't deny the world of that gift within you that the universe has given you. Someone out there needs to hear your story because it will support them in feeling hope, inspired, and even transformed. Do you want to discover how I help get my clients out of their own way, show up, and confidently share their message? I would love to extend an invitation to you to join me in my free masterclass, Start Your Own Podcast from Idea to Implementation, on Wednesday, April 5th at 1 p.m. Eastern. You can find the registry link in the show notes. Hope to see you there. Hello there, Brad Walsh here, your host of the Empowerography Podcast. Today, my guest is Keely Woolley. She is an award-winning executive mentor, a coach, trainer, a change agent, and business strategy and program delivery executive. Hello, Keely. Welcome. I'm so happy to have you here. How are you doing today? Fantastic. And thank you for inviting me, Brad. I'm really excited for it. It is my pleasure and my honor. I'm so happy to have you. Thank you for agreeing to spend this time with me and share a little bit about your story and your journey. I'm excited and looking forward to jump in. With that being said, let's get started. That is a hell of a lot of hats you wear and one hell of an extensive resume. So I have to ask, how do you prioritize and how important is prioritization and organization for you? Oh, that's a great question. So prioritising, well, there are some activities where it's consultative work. And obviously, if I've got those activities and I'm committed to other people, then obviously they do take priority and precedence over it. But it comes to more the bit that I would say that reaches my heart the most, which is around the coaching and training others then obviously for me, that would always be my priority if I could do it. (laughs) And I know that doesn't really answer the question, but wherever it is comes down to helping others, then that usually falls into my priority. Now, with you wearing so many hats, I would love to know what your morning routine looks like. Oh, yeah. I actually, over the last year, and we'll come to the reasons why, But one of the things that I do every single morning now is that I do a a little bit of exercise stretching out because as one gets older, one has to stretch (laughs) out, (laughs) leap out of bed, although arguably no one really does that. I've had a shower and coffee. I go downstairs straight away and I've got a coffee maker like that blends the coffee, it grinds it as well. So I'll put that on and obviously I've got my two babies, my fur babies that I say hello to. But no matter what the weather, I stand outside with just my towel on and basically get some daylight, sunlight for at least 20 seconds because it actually helps with your circadian rhythm and helps with your sleep patterns okay when you start the day with making sure that you get that sunlight plus obviously the nice fresh air on your skin it helps you with your sleep patterns and obviously sleep is one of the most important things that you can do in your life and one of the most unspoken subjects despite the fact it's even more important than food and drink (laughs) out there in your towel every morning no matter what the weather 
What I would say is if it's persisting down, <laughs> I've got bifolding doors. So I will open the bifolding doors and I'll still get the fresh air. So right. it doesn't matter whether it's grey or not. It's just the fact that you're getting fresh air yeah. and sunlight onto your skin. Because even though it's behind the clouds, it's still there. That's right. Yeah. Keely, what drives, motivates and inspires you to keep going and excelling at all that you do? The fact that I have discovered my why, what makes me passionate. And because everything I do is about my why and living with purpose and because it's all associated to helping others shine. And that's probably the biggest discovery I had in my life is that I wasn't actually living my why. And now that I am, I just smile all the time. I love life. (laughs) It it changes your entire world when you find your why and you find your purpose and your mission on this planet. And I believe that every single one of us here on Earth has a mission and a purpose. And when you find that is one of the most incredible feelings in the world to know, and especially when that purpose or that mission has the intent of impacting and giving back to others, there's no feeling like it. Absolutely. I did it without realizing it in my past career, but I think like many things that when I was made redundant, you fall into the role that you know and the skills that you have rather than actually doing what you love because you know that you're good at it. So you end up just functioning, should I say? And 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 I mean I was good at it and I was always good through my career. But the thing that just kept on resonating with me was the fact that I actually liked seeing other people shine, training and coaching, mentoring. And you know when you see that Eureka moment when someone's eyes just suddenly light up and you go, that's it, they found it. They've actually found it. And I've got some moments where you're in now the beauty of us doing everything on Zoom is where you're doing it on video. You see those moments and you're like, there it is. Yeah. That moment. And how can you not? How can that not make you smile? Exactly. And that's a great segue because I would love to talk about what you were doing before you made the jump into entrepreneurship. So for over 23 years, I was in a corporate environment. In my final role, I was a procurement director, program and delivery specialist. And I used to say I put a structure around their chaos. So <laughs> I in, love that. In procurement, they've got really great ideas. They're really inspirational. And procurement for us also included not just the category management, but also logistics, supply chain logistics. And they had all these great on grandier ideas. And I used to be, yep, that's wonderful. Back in the room, how are we going to make that happen? <laughs> so, and they're also things like uh, building future strategies, what they're going to look like. I'm good at helping them to pinpoint what that actually looks like. But again, bringing them back and saying, okay, now how are we going to get there? And as I was in the global corporate environment for 23 years, I was in FTSE 100. It was manufacturing environment uh, with paper packaging and recycling, very sustainable. And I really, I did enjoy it. And I was very lucky in the sense, and lucky is probably, it was through hard work, but I was given opportunities to grow but then that's because people recognized that I had skills and capabilities that perhaps I didn't recognize <laughs> the doubts and Thomases that I had and then I strategized myself out of the role so I designed a, a new organization for managing procurement the program delivery so at the next level up sense of project managers all over the place it was pooling them and actually using them constructively rather than everybody going off in a direction and importantly, actually 
doing the company's why. Right. <laughs> because one of the things I found is everybody was going off and doing different things and not actually connected to what were they were doing, which is why people were running around perhaps like headless fools and not asking the questions that should be asked, which is one of the things I did. Or as I used to say, stop them flogging a dead horse. And yeah, and that was it really. 2020, that was it. I strategically maybe done that. Although arguably the company did ask me back as consultant because I was the Brexit specialist and they, okay. they had a bit of a unique moment themselves and went, oh, why have we got rid of the one person? Because <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> yeah, so, so that kept me busy for another year as a consultant. But that's when I had a bit of the eureka moment where actually I was doing something that was good at rather than necessary, something that I loved. And so how long now then have you been working in the entrepreneurial world as a mentor and coach? And why have you decided to work both as a mentor and a coach? And what are the differences for you when wearing those individual hats? So full mentoring coaching is probably a year and a half. Okay. It would have been sooner. Unfortunately, my brother passed away last May, which had a huge impact on everything. Mm, Everything. Very sorry for your loss. Thank you. And obviously because of that, it put a lot of things on hold. A lot and things into perspective. So I do for the, the coaching and training side of it is more when I'm doing my coaching business and I'm helping others to be able to shine their light, so to speak, bounce back from like stress and anxiety and various other things. But I also do mentoring on two other levels. So I do mentoring as a speaker coach. And I know that sounds a strange sentence, speaker coach, but as a mentor. (laughs) So I'm part of a speaker academy, Andy Harrington's Professional Speaker Academy. And with them, what happens is that he does a speaker university for four days. He does all the training and then they actually actively implement and put things into action. And through that process, they do like pods of say six, seven, and we will then mentor and coach them through their development. So it's one step forwards that we're helping them through. And, and I really love that side. And I also help mentor them once they sign up for the big program to create their frameworks and learn how to present their stories and things like that. But then I also do mentoring through things like the Santander mentoring program. Okay. And for that is providing mentoring, which I would say in the true form, in the sense where obviously I've had experiences and journeys through life. And also I've got a huge amount of connections and network within my supply base, my connections, my friends, family, all different types of businesses and walks of life. And when you're mentoring individuals from that perspective and they're wanting to grow their businesses, there may be insights that you can provide them guidance within that forum and you can also give them connections within that forum that they otherwise wouldn't have had. So from that perspective, it's different because even with the women that I met, I mentor some fascinating people. And sometimes when I first introduce them and find out what it is that they need from me, how I can help them, I'm thinking, wow, these women are incredible. They've done amazing things. Why do they need my help? It's almost like they should be mentoring me. But then as you're listening to what they're saying, all of a sudden something drops into place and you go, okay, there it is. That's what it is that they need from me to be able to 
guide them in the right direction of maybe lessons learned, people I can connect them with or things like that. And in fact, the two ladies I've got presently, one of them is down the road of helping them with the growth of their business. And the other side of it, both of them is more mindsets because of the limiting beliefs that they have within themselves and about their growth. That's quite fascinating. <laughs> so probably a long answer. No, that's the- okay. So I want to speak specifically about your journey into the coaching world. I've heard a lot of people say that most, if not all coaches, have all been through their own personal struggles and journeys before making the leap into coaching. Now, of course, we as human beings, we've all had our share of shit to deal with and things we've gone through on our personal journeys. But what I found, though, is that in all the women I've spoken to who are now coaches, their personal journeys or struggles were the catalyst for them making the jump into the coaching world. Can you share a little bit about your own personal journey before making the jump into or that was the catalyst for you jumping into the coaching world? Yeah, it's really interesting because initially, and my story does start from there. So initially, my story starts from the point where I'm finally made redundant, which when I got the phone call prior to then, I'd had a, let's just say, in the middle of Schiphol Airport of all places, I had a complete meltdown. And that's following my interview because I knew it was carnage, utter carnage. But because I'd focused completely on my team, I'd focused on all of their future, what they was doing and making sure that they was okay. Despite my youngest member saying, you're not responsible for our future, we're adults. But you do what you do. If if you're naturally someone that likes to care and look after other people, and one of the things I'm going to discuss in a moment is around the people pleaser side of it. When you're that natural person, you're not focused on you. Anyway, so long story short, finally got the phone call that I got being made redundant. And in that moment, I shut down completely. I wasn't able to speak. I wasn't able to go anywhere mentally and physically. That was it. And anybody that knows me, I am a social animal. So for my friends, my family, it was a massive shock to the system because I'm usually the one that's the stalwart character. Everybody's okay. Nothing to see here. Everybody's smiling. And I couldn't function at all. And unfortunately, it was during COVID, so I couldn't even see a therapist. So personally, I had to find a way. (laughs) So, So... and part of that way, thank God for having dogs. I've got two animals. One I had one at the time, and because I had to go out walking every single day with them, you start processing things instead of it spinning around here. Graduate start processing. At the same time, I started doing gardening, <laughs> and I realised I actually really enjoyed it. So having not done it for like 23 years, my garden started looking wonderful. And thank God, COVID, the weather was amazing, really. So we were so lucky from that side of it. And I connected to the outside world on a much deeper level. I learned to stop. I learned to actually be present, enjoy my surroundings, enjoy the garden, listening to the birds, sitting down near the end. I even built, I've got a big patio anyway that we've built, but at the end of the garden, I built another patio. So in the morning, I could sit in the sunshine in the morning and have a cup of coffee and thinking time. Then I started doing things like yoga and meditation and a real journey of discovery. Simon Sinek, Find Your Why, books on mental health and all those kind of things. So it was all of those sort of things that actually led me to wanting to do my coaching business. And I knew there was something that I wanted to do. I just didn't know what it was. And ironically, because I thought it was really the redundancy that shut me down, when I started looking at the coaching business, I was looking at seeing how I could help leaders within organisations and all those kind of things. And then 
when my brother first got diagnosed with cancer, I had a bit of a eureka moment myself. And I thought, why am I targeting CEOs and executive leaders within a business when actually the ones that I connect with are females? Because that's me. It's where I come from. It's what, you know, the history, the burnout, everything like that. But I also have learned over the last six months that one of the big drivers for me actually getting a burnout was people pleasing. And I didn't realise that people pleasing was my problem because the people pleasing was the bit where I was looking after everybody else, nothing to see here, not wanting to rock the boat, so to speak, and fear of conflict. And the fear of conflict is by virtue of the fact that I, when people are happy, that's good. When they're not happy, they're unpredictable. And that was my discovery, is that I didn't want people to be unpredictable because past history and things. So, again, long story short, that's how I ended up doing my coaching business. Powerful. (laughs) So how have these experiences then helped shape the Keeley you are today, do you think, both personally and professionally? I would have said originally that (laughs) I've had one challenge after another. Honestly, even when I was working with a company, they said it just, I cannot believe the amount of things that have happened within your life one way or another, and that you're still saying, arguably some people would say not. (laughs) (laughs) But the thing that's actually shaped me, I would say the most, is really the passing of my brother. And I know that seems like an obvious thing to say, but it more so the attitude I have towards life has become more real. I as I say, I live life with intention and purpose and, uh, you know, things I used to worry about, I don't worry about anymore. Finances, having come from humble backgrounds, when you do become successful, even though I was very successful and a good career, you know, I still was in that mode of always saving money and making sure that I would never be in that situation of not having the finances. Whereas now, as an entrepreneur, it takes time to grow a business, yeah. you don't rich overnight and all those kind of things and where things used to worry me about finances and used to get stress and anxiety I'm like I'm not worried by those kind of things anymore it's just like it it will flow I know it will happen I've chosen the right vocation in my life I know I'm doing the right thing so that will flow and I don't stress about it it's changed my whole way of thinking the way I see things yeah Worrying, worrying is useless. It does you. It certainly doesn't serve you in any way, shape, or form. It only damages things and gets you into a tailspin. And then what? Then you're fucked. So yeah, it, it it's a useless emotion. Worry. It has no purpose other than to get your wheels spinning and send you downward into a spiral. It, it's just yeah. being able to have the self awareness to realize that and to not let those things get into your head and send you into that tailspin. Oh yeah, I, I couldn't agree more because, as you say, there's nothing you can do about it you, other than try to find ways to keep on moving and the worrying isn't going to keep you moving it's going to end up blocking you and quite often they do say that is that the more you worry about finances they don't come to you anyway because you're blocking that from coming in and interesting i anybody that's known me i've never won anything and never right (laughs) and then what was it i think it was about a month ago i was on one of my executive networking events groups and i won a deposit that I was going to Canada anyway, but I won a deposit for it about just short of $500. 
Nice. Congratulations. I was then able to attend their tech week the following week as part of the fact that I was an educator, and that was worth about two and a half to three grand, and it was invaluable. What I learned on this was incredible. And then the week after, with the same group, I won a holiday. (laughs) (laughs) And I started laughing. I was like... And she said, like, what are you laughing at? I said, I cannot believe it. I said, I've never won the thing. And then in three weeks, I've probably won about four grand square. <laughs> so even though it, it wasn't necessarily that you're getting clients in that particular period of time, it was still flowing through. So it's money that I wouldn't have had otherwise. Yeah. And it's just how you see things from a different perspective. Exactly. It's a as they say. <laughs> but it, it's not easy to get into that mindset. It, it takes work to get into that mindset and to stay in that mindset Mm. for sure yeah but as you say it's the awareness for me biggest thing that I've learned particularly in the last two years is this awareness of self understand yourself know yourself because until you know yourself then how can you help others and it's been a really cathartic journey the speaker academy I love it because you meet so many incredible people, mm-hmm. different walks of life, every single time, even down to horse whisper and various yeah. other things, you know, incredible things. And I love it. Absolutely love it. It's like I didn't even know that some of these things exist. Yeah. But then seeing them suddenly step forwards into something else. Yeah. It, yeah I just get so excited by yeah, all of absolutely. it. Absolutely. <laughs> With you being a coach, I would love to hear your thoughts on the current state of the coaching industry through again multiple conversations with multiple women who work in the industry i found that a lot of them don't even like to use the word coach because of the bad rep that the coaching industry is getting i'd love to hear your thoughts on this as a coach so interestingly it's not something that's flagged up to me but then i suppose i'm not one to search out for negativity uh, by nature i also think that the problem I see with many coaches is that's all they define themselves as as a coach now I'm not a coach in its own right what I am is an individual that helps females executives leaders and founders and entrepreneurs to be able to bounce back from burnout and be able to do it without compromising their dreams or career it's specific what I am saying when you just say I'm a coach By definition, what does that actually mean? A coach of what? Right. Someone could turn around and say, you're not trained as a coach. I am, but that's not the point. But some might turn around and say, you're not trained as a coach. I'm trained as a coach in my specialist area of what I do. And that's probably why people either see it in negativity or have a mistrust of a coach because they're not clear about the definition of what they're going to actually achieve. And as you say, is that quite often coaches have come from a space where they've experienced what it is that they're trying to coach. Yeah. Pain. Um, You've been in that pain and you're taking them away from that pain and uh, enabling them to be into the positive space that you've grown from. The difference is that you're helping them to do it in a much shorter time because you've already gone through that. If you're saving (laughs) them the hassle. Some yeah, of it, anyway. yeah, that's right. yeah, some of it, and in all walks of life. So, as an example, I used to recruit project managers, and someone would say, "Oh, you need to have Prince Two project management." I tell you what, I've interviewed a few people in my life, and those with Prince Two couldn't project manage their way out of paper bag. <laughs> 
And within five minutes of having a conversation with them, I know that they couldn't do it. They've got no people skills, no stakeholder management. They can't think ahead. They're not agile and all those kind of things. So what do you say? That all project managers are crap? No. No. But by definition, the coach that would suit you wouldn't suit somebody else. Right. So what's good for one person is not good for another one. That's why you need to make sure, can someone with marketing or sales is, do you have a relationship and connection with the person that you're working with? And if you don't work with each other, because it's not going to work. So that's my perspective. Okay. What excites or lights you up the most about the work that you do? Mm, I think you already know the answer to that. Mm -hmm. Seeing the light shine in somebody else's eyes when they have a eureka moment and just seeing them achieve the results that go with it. And when I get, sorry, no, when I get a mess, previous clients and my favorite ones is that she said, I still put in that monkey locked away in the corner, <laughs> the emotional monkey. And she said, and my word, it's helped me move forward and cope with things. So what's not to be happy about things like Absolutely. that? Absolutely. It's just affirmation that you've helped someone through their struggles and get to the other side. And there is not many feelings that are better than being able to help someone get through or struggle through something or get through something and reach the other side and then finally feel that and to see that they are succeeding. It, it's such an mm. incredible feeling to see others succeed. Yeah, definitely. Oh, if you're that kind of personality, yeah. <laughs> there are some that are focused on self, but I yes. don't surround myself with those people. So, And that's the key, <laughs> right? And so on the flip side of that, what would you say is one of the most challenging parts of the work that you do? I would say the obvious thing is making sure that you're sustaining your pipeline. And I know if that's something that comes natural to you, then that's fine. And interestingly, the reason why I did Speaker Academy is because I wanted to change the sales process. So it's not a savvy process. It's about building connections, a relationship with people. It's indirect selling in a sense that people want to buy from you as opposed to you trying to sell to someone. Because... I know that people can't sell to me, so why would I try to do it with somebody else? And I know, I'm sure there's all these inboxes where they send you mails, oh, so I can increase your business by such and such. No, you can't. You don't know me. So that, I'd say that's the biggest shout oh, And actually, I do get some weird people trying to connect with me. <laughs> <laughs> it, takes, it takes all types. Yeah, and some people would say it's flattering. No, it's not. I find it rude and offensive, but there you go. <laughs> What would you say are the three most important lessons you've learned in your career as a coach? Coach and mentor, I'd say, is that it is not a one-way street. It's two-way street and you learn from each other, always learning from each other. And every single person that you coach, you learn so much from and it helps you to continue to grow. That would be the second point. And the third one is on the one side, it's good to ask good questions but it's even more important to listen long and hard to the answers thank you for sharing that Keely you say that you want to be able to inspire other female executives and leaders and founders to bounce back from burnout as you mentioned stress and imposter syndrome by rediscovering their why why have you decided to make this your mission and your purpose and why is this so personally important to you as you've already mentioned, is that because it's something that I experienced and I saw a lot in the corporate, a lot of uh, females, you know, struggling to find their own. And as I say, any, an interesting quote that I saw the other day, and it was actually a bit of a shock to my system, really, because I know there is the gender gap and people think that the gender gap is closing. 
Actually, the other day, according to the World Economic Forum, they said that it will take 61 years in Western Europe to close the gap. Holy shit. 70 years. No, wait, wait for this. 70 years in Eastern Europe and 160 years in North America. That's horrible. Horrible. Yeah. I was really shocked. I know that there's efforts, and I say efforts, to actually close the gap. There's someone that came from an environment where I was 30% less than the average person within my team, and we're all the same role, as in senior level. But there was lots of women in my environment, and the board was like the general management team, leadership team, were all male, white, at Oxford. The patriarchy. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. And when you're in that environment, you do, because that's what you see, you then end up taking on the traits of men because you think that's the only way you can succeed. And as a result of that, you're not being your true authentic self. You're not able to demonstrate female energy, which is a good thing to have. Now, the male energy, absolutely, it's needed on both sides. One thing that men will do that women tend not to, is that they'll take bigger risks yeah. by nature. But on the flip side of that, because they take bigger risks, that's why the world is in such a shit place at the exactly. moment, because you've got exactly. all these testosterone. And when you take away the female energy from a woman and she's not able to be who she truly represents, her confidence won't shine through, which means that she doesn't shine through as much as she could do. It means that she's constantly trying to prove herself, which means that she's volunteering for everything. And when she's volunteering for everything, she's burning herself out. I know, even with my male team, they used to say, oh, so don't worry, could let Kelly volunteer in a minute. So they're all sitting back with their arms crossed. They not knew. because they're being asked. It's just, they just knew I would do it, yeah. you know. And until you realise that you don't need to do that. I mean, if there's a, a job application, they, they've proven that men will apply for it if only 50% of the criteria is met. With women, it's 97%. 97%. That's tragic. And instead of going, it is tragic because they've got so much opportunity. So on the one hand, we hold ourselves back, but that's because our program beliefs. Yes. On the other side of it, we've got the gender bias that's there and some of it's unconscious bias. And then we've got the natural gap that's still there that people don't believe exists. And yet I've just proven that in North America, a place where it's supposed to be advanced, 160 years is insane. If you ask me what I want to do, this is why I want to do it because I want to empower women to actually be who they are. And quite honestly, many women in female executive roles, that's why I see them becoming more entrepreneurs because they can shine in their own light and they've got so much to bring to the world. And maybe businesses will bring them in because of their skills and capabilities that they bring to the table, but instead of being stuck in a bureaucratic environment. Yeah. I mean, what well, we all as human beings have both female and male characteristics and energy within us so you know it, it's fucked up it's it's so fucking spun and we do need to change it's got to start and okay it's going to be 161 years but at least if we start and keep the ball rolling maybe that will bring it in a little quicker who knows but we have to start somewhere let's just fucking start patriarchy needs to be burned to the fucking ground and we need to start over to, to <laughs> 
It's true. Things need to shift. As you said, look at the state the world is in and who's been running the world, men. So why aren't we giving the opportunities to women to step into positions of authority? They certainly, I can fucking guarantee this, they will not fuck the world up any more than it already is, than men have. So why don't we provide the opportunities for women to step into roles where they have the power to change things. They can't. Women cannot fuck it up any worse than it already is. It's impossible. It's fear. It's ridiculous. And the reason why it's fear, it's the shame that would go with it. Because if they do shine, (laughs) then it's going to make them actually really think about it wrong. Because it makes it sound like all men. They're not. Because there are a lot of guys in my life and actually, bizarrely, quite often I actually prefer the company of men. I enjoy their company. But there's also those that still come out of those sort of the patronising comments and throwaway comments and stuff like that. Yeah. Even the role that I didn't get, I, get, I, I 100% believe it was more about the person that I would have gone and worked for. He was slightly younger than me, XRF. I think it was the fear of how he would show up in relation to me because everybody else around him was like, are they insane? (laughs) It's just, but yeah, it's an interesting thing. But you've seen our past queen, what she achieved, Queen Victoria, Queen Mm -hmm. Queen the first, Queen the second. When you have had these women that are in power and the things that have cheated, and actually when Queen the second, I think even the first, is that when they first stepped in, first of all, they started asking all their questions of men, and then they were like, hang on a minute, they started asking the whys, going off whys this, and start questioning all that lot, and putting things into place that hadn't been there before. What does that tell you? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I want to speak a little bit about women in entrepreneurship. You, you mentioned that. What are your thoughts on the landscape of entrepreneurship and women-run businesses in terms of how it's evolved and how it's continuing to shift and evolve now? As I mentioned, I think there are more women, even men actually, but particularly since COVID, that have realised that they don't need to be stuck in these sort of nine to five jobs doing the same old thing day in, day out. And I think there's this realisation that they can actually do far more than they realise. The beauty of technology is that our landscape, the world is smaller and we can connect with people all around the globe, uh, which is fascinating. So it opens up more opportunity, I think, and people can see more opportunity, particularly females. They see that they've got more opportunity and the fact that many of them had to typically, when COVID happened, all the children being at home, it still ended up being the female that was the one that had to do the homeschooling by and large and making sure that the children were okay and everything like that. Phrases were thrown about, is, yeah, my job's more important. Really? Is it? You know, yeah. okay, you might be paid more, but you're paid more because of the gap we've exactly. got. Exactly. It's a vicious cycle. It's a vicious cycle. Yeah, exactly. And they have actually said that since COVID, the, the gender gap has actually increased again because of FEMA having to assume the role of being the homekeeper with children and everything like that. So I think the entrepreneurship has made them realise that they can actually do that. What I would say is the mistake I often see, even with small businesses, is that they don't set themselves up for growth. And what do I mean by that? (laughs) (laughs) um, Is that there are so many people that, because they've got manual, everything's done manually and all that. The more you 
set yourself up to be automated more efficient and enable yourself to be agile for growth then it helps you to grow quick because quite often they stunted business because they haven't got the agility to grow with it and the other thing is that they one one of the things that even with the ladies that I mentor is that I one of the first things I say to them is have you written down your organization and they say what do you mean by that there's only me I said yeah but how many hats have you got on your marketing your sales your accounts your manager the entrepreneur the innovator all of those kind of things each thing that you do as a role write it down and what is it that you do and how do you do it So at some point, as you do grow, you can either recruit inwardly or you can outsource and everything like that. But it means that you've already got it documented, what it is and how you actually do it. And along with that is the automation that goes with it. Because when businesses are not set up for that, entrepreneurs are not set up for that, they can't grow as quick as they'd like to. And it stops that involvement. And I'm not sure if that answers your question, but it's one of the things that comes to mind immediately with entrepreneurs but what is one piece of advice then you have for women looking to grow either their own business or within say a company that they work for I think that would probably be the thing that I I would say is make sure you set yourself up to be agile and also be you remain your authentic self because if you're not your authentic self and you don't stay with that then you're going to lose sight of yourself along the way And when people can't see who the real person is, when suddenly the real person comes out, they start questioning. Yeah, (laughs) imposter um, syndrome and all of that stuff, right? Yeah, the doubt starts kicking in again. So it doesn't matter whether it's within your business or whether you're on your own, you're still starting the same cycle again. So always remain true to yourself. What do you think is the most significant barrier to female leadership? Unlocking their limited beliefs. So I would say the limited beliefs around their own value. It doesn't matter whether it's within an organisation or whether it's in their own organisation. They don't value themselves enough. So they ended up working harder, not smarter. And I I was talking to someone yesterday, actually, and I was trying to understand what their value was for it. I said, yeah, but think about it. I said, your value is not just what you've just done with me in one hour. Your value is the work you've done, you do before and after in preparation And plus your 20 years, your 30 years, your 40 years of experience that you've invested in that. And when people don't value their sales, they undervalue their product and service. So they have to have lots of clients rather than maybe having a few and actually having more time for themselves. Beautifully said. Now, obviously, you are an advocate for women and women's voices, women's empowerment. So with that in mind, what do you do to empower yourself? I say yes to everything. (laughs) within within boundaries of course of course (laughs) where i may have had the little voice in my head every now and again in the past going we usually want to do that and i was quite good at saying yes before but even now i just say yeah what i've got to lose i'll give it a try i'd rather try it and it fail and learn from the experience than not have tried it and then thought would i have would have should have could have (laughs) <laughs> that that's the failure, right? Is when you don't try it. That's the failure. Yeah. And that's it. Other than that, there is no failure. If you try it and it doesn't work out, you still win because you're learning a lesson there. And as long as you pick yourself up and try again, then that's a win. Yeah. And I actually don't usually use the word fail. But when I say that is that if it doesn't work out how you plan for it, but as you say, is that well, what am I learning from this? Yeah, exactly. 
best question to ask yourself. What am I learning from this? Yeah. I have a conversation with my brother regularly. And <laughs> when there are things going on every now and again, I say, what is it you're trying to tell me, John? <laughs> <laughs> and there is a lesson in everything. There is a silver lining in every single situation. You just have to look for it and get into mm. that mindset that, okay, what have I got to learn from this? This happened because why? Or how am I mm. going to shift it? What have I got to change to have a different outcome? But there's always a lesson to learn in every situation. No matter how bad it is, there's something good to take away from it somewhere yeah. in there. Yeah. And because as a, a project manager, obviously risk management and mitigation is part of our lives. So yeah. we're always thinking, okay, this is the problem that's there. How can we overcome that? Whether it's mitigating it, changing direction, what, all of those kind of things, we question what it is. And actually, one of the things that I've got a community project that I'm doing, and which I'm absolutely loving, it's a great experience. And one of the things that I talk about with them is that when you're internalizing things and you're keeping it inside, you're not looking at it as a problem that you can solve. I said, if you take it out of it and you talk to it as if it's your friend, because if it's your friend, you'll try and help them. Yeah. You try and find a way to resolve their problem. So talk about your problem externally as if it's your friend because you'd find a way to help it. I so said the reason why you can't often help yourself is because you're locked in the it's about me. If you take away the it's about me and how you can help someone else, then it takes it from a different perspective. That and the fact that you're also getting it out into the elements as well. So <laughs> I love that perspective. Thank you for sharing that. Now, speaking of empowerment, what does that word mean to you? Oh, good question. I would say for me, it's about being having the authority and autonomy, particularly when you're talking about in business, but as an entrepreneur, it makes it easier. The authority and the opportunity to be able to do things, to be trusted to face challenges and be able to get on with them and to be able to grow. I always describe it as that when you're a little kid and you've got the stabilizer on your bike and you go where your mum and dad tell you that you've got to go. And then as soon as you have those stabilizers removed, you can just cycle off and go wherever you want. Now you fall over, you hurt yourself, you get back up and you keep on pedaling away. But you find a way to keep on moving. And to me, that's empowerment, is that you're empowered to be able to do the things that you want to do, obviously, within certain parameters, <laughs> as long as it's not affecting anybody else. But you have been able to navigate those challenges and overcome obstacles. And with that, it helps you to become more confident. It, it does help you to shine because the more you're allowed to try things out, the more your confidence will grow because you go, actually, that worked out okay. I'll give that a try. Or it makes you step up and you'll go the next level and next yeah. level so you keep up. So. Yeah, that's empowerment for me. <laughs> Love it. What do you think your unique skill set or superpower is that's helped you become successful? Oh, so there's two things that are probably interrelated. So one of them, I quite often can see many steps ahead of people. So when we used to be in the meeting room, it was like when something come up immediately, I'm, oh, I know what I can do and be a few steps ahead. The problem with that is that when you're quite often a few steps ahead, it means that when you're trying to explain it, they're still trying to work out. <laughs> they're still back there you've got to try and find a way to navigate them through that but with that it allows me to enhance the skill that everybody says I've got is that I am a super connector and the reason why I'm a super connector is that immediately I see someone I go oh this person would be great for this person 
I could be having a conversation with you know yourself, I've introduced a few people to you. And today, or last night, I was on a call with a lady from Ghana. It's really unusual because I've got about four people from Ghana in my life at the moment for various reasons. It's really weird how the world travels. Anyway, immediately I've gone, do you know what? I've got someone that's just perfect for you at the moment. And I see that. So I would say super connector. That's because I can see steps ahead. And so speaking of success, what does that word mean to you? Success to me is not about finance. Success is about how you live your life to the full and you enjoy it with purpose. So when you have actually found what fulfills you, then you'll be successful in life. What would you say is one of the most important things you've learned in your life? And what was your life like before you learned it? What was your life like after learning it? I would say my most important thing would be is that live life like it's your last day. Live it for the, to the full. Enjoy it. You never know when it's going to stop. Obvious answer is that it was when my brother passed away uh, last year. It was a big wake-up call. I was always quite a positive out, outgoing person anyway, but I think it, it made me realise how important it is, the value of life, mm-hmm. and living life with intention and stop doing the shit of wooders and history and all that jazz that goes with it and negative thinking. And I, I try to avoid surrounding myself with people that are negative or reading negativity on news anyway, but I just don't think it serves you at all. Absolutely. That okay, we're going to jump into a little rapid fire section here. So the next grouping of questions just be one, two, three word answer type thing, okay? Yeah. How would you describe yourself in one word? Heart-centered. If you could teach the world one thing, what would it be? Be like a dragonfly. What's one thing you want but cannot buy with money? My brother alive. What is your favorite self-care practice? It's actually three things. Yoga, gratitude, and meditation. If you could be remembered for one thing, what would it be? Shining the light in other people's eyes. What never fails to make you laugh? My family and my friends. That concludes our rapid fire section. Now back to our regularly scheduled program. Who in your life has had the biggest impact on you and why? My mum. No matter what challenges that she's had in life and thrown at her, she's had a few. She's kept on moving and she's inspired me to be who I am, which is why seeing the change in my mum since my brother passed away is the hardest thing in my life. What aspect of your personality do you think has been the most helpful in your career? Seeing the potential in others and building relationships. There's... The fact that my old team still ring me in there, all right, boss, how are you doing, <laughs> boss, and everything like that. And even my Martin, who big Dutch guy, ex-forces, when you get a message from him at half past one on New Year's Eve saying, you're the best boss I've ever had from a country mile, and he said, in the second that you've got a business that's growing, please have me back. <laughs> but to me, yeah. Relationships <laughs> and connection are the hands-down most important part of entrepreneurship. They are the foundation for all of it. You cannot, and we're not meant to do any of this alone. You can't. It's impossible. You cannot do it by yourself. No. You need the connections. And again, one of the things that I would say that's come from COVID is how small businesses, entrepreneurs are building each other up. Rather than it being, this is my business and I'm not going to give you any of the help or anything like that. It's all about yourself. And I don't say that lots of people, but I think it even more so are tending to pick each other up 
For sure. It's not for financial gain. It's just how can I help you? I think that's so. what we're all here on this planet for is to lift, support, cheerlead, and help each other. That's why we're here. It's intrinsically human. That's part of the reason we're on this planet. That's our duty, I think. We have to protect each other. We are tribal by nature. And the reason why we're tribal is because we need to be able to take care, protect, and help each other grow and everything like that. And when you do it from the true form when you're in caveman time, is that everybody's watching each other's yeah. back. It's not one person looking after the child all on their own. They're all collectively doing it and got their eye on what's going on. They feed each other as a community. They lift each other up. So why wouldn't you want to do that yeah. globally? As they say, it takes a village. And that saying's been around forever. So there you go. Yeah. For a reason. Yeah. <laughs> what is something surprising you've learned about yourself in the last year? That I had a book inside me. And not only did I have a book inside me, I actually wrote it in six days. Holy and shit. And it came from a space of love because it was dedicated to my brother. And I wanted to make sure I had it out for his, his first birthday without him. What challenge in your life has shaped you the most? As I said, I, I would have said lots of challenges because it's been a roller coaster. But the biggest challenge has been the loss of my brother. And it's made me, it's had a huge influence on me one way or another. And I worry less about finances and I know that things will flow. And I just take one day at a time, every single day, just one set of time. It's not end goal, it's here and now. Yeah, love that. If you had the opportunity, Keely, to sit down and have a one hour conversation with one woman, any woman in the world, who would it be and why? Interestingly, this was a tough question because there's so many amazing people. But I would say, seeing as she's probably the first one that would be step out to me is the Queen Elizabeth I, because what incredible things she did globally mm. around the world in an environment where it was all empowered by men. Yeah. <laughs> she stepped up and shone through, and wow, what did she have to put up with? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. If you could go back and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would that piece of advice be? The same as I've actually said before is just say yes. It's something that I've always done, but it would definitely be just say yes and just do it. There's nothing you've got to lose from it. Yeah. <laughs> Lastly, if you were to deliver your last 30-second speech to the world, your tribe, your corner of the world, your people, what would that last 30 seconds sound like? What words of wisdom would you impart? Oh, yeah, actually, that, that was an interesting one as well. I think I'll go back to one of my previous statements. Yeah, live life with passion and purpose. Just do it. Live like a dragonfly. <laughs> Shine your light. <laughs> Beautiful. Keely, thank you so much for taking and making the time to be here with me today. And thank you very much for your vulnerability and sharing a bit about your personal story and your journey. It has been an absolute pleasure speaking with you. You are truly such an incredible inspiration, and I'm grateful to have you as a member of the Empowerography community. Thank you for being here, and thank you for shining your beautiful light out into the world through all the beautiful work that you're doing. Thank you very much, Brad. It's been an absolute pleasure and made me think. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I love hearing that. Once again, my name is Brad Walsh, host of your Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest has been Keely Woolley. She is an award-winning executive mentor, coach, trainer, a change agent, and business strategy and program delivery executive. Thank you so much, Keely. I hope you have an amazing rest of the day. Thank you. Appreciate it, Brad. 
Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. If you haven't yet, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share with all your friends. You can find me at visuphoria.ca, follow me on Instagram at Empowerography Podcast, and on Facebook at Empowerography. Please join me next time for another inspirational story from yet another amazing woman.